it is a high honor for us to have with us tonight uh, Joel Talley, and uh, he has been a friend for a long time. And, um, you know, just because, and uh, you know, that I have friends don't mean that I have them come and preach just because they're my friend. Right. Because uh, you can have friends that are anointed, gifted, and called, but their gift, it makes room for them in the season that the house needs them. And so uh, you can bring someone in out of friendship and relationship and miss the season and the timing of God. But I believe that God has uh, put us together for such a moment as this. And I believe that we're going to experience his presence in a special way. He's always been, he and Regina and the family have always been a blessing to us and Renee and our family and our church uh, there as he had come. And I know he's going to be a blessing to us tonight. And I just want to give him time tonight to just express what God has put in his heart to do. And so we're going to welcome him to come tonight and just share the word of the Lord or sing. He makes me sick. He can sing. He can preach, (laughs) prophesy. He can do it all. But we're going to welcome him tonight. Will you welcome the man of God tonight? Amen. Come on, my brother. Praise God. Hallelujah. Come on, let's give the Lord a clap off for tonight. Can we praise him? Come on, somebody shout with the voice of triumph. Hallelujah. Come on, he's worthy to be praised. Hallelujah. Bless the Lord. Hallelujah. How many of you are thankful for what God is doing in this house? Amen. And how many of you are thankful for the visionaries, your pastors? Come on, give God praise for them. I honor them tonight. And uh, and the feeling is likewise. Some people, I found this out, not just in regular life, but also in ministry. A lot of people, they are seasonal. You have people come and go. But I'm telling you what, I'm thankful that God has placed your pastors as lifers in our life. Someone made a statement, said, from the time that you're born to the time that you die, if you have two true blue friends, you're a wealthy person. Amen. And so I'm so thankful for this man and this woman of God and their family. Wow, I rejoice what God's done around here. How many of you know you've got a, a phenomenal place? Amen. Praise God. And I'm so glad. To be with Pastor Jamie and his family. How many of you love and appreciate them? Wow. <laughs> we got some history too, don't we? Uh, we've done this a few times, haven't we? Praise God. We had a, you can be seated if you don't mind. We had a nine month revival broke out in Milford, Ohio. And we did this every night, did we not? Just like this. And sometime it will last from seven till 12, one o'clock in the morning. And so I cut up. We was together in all seasons, weren't we? We saw staff members come and go, but we survived, didn't we, man? <laughs> and so I'm just so thankful for them. How many of you thankful for all the giftings in the house tonight? Amen. Come on, let's give God praise for everybody. What an honor, what a joy it is to be with you. I've been, I've been sneaking up on you guys on Facebook, <laughs> keeping up with you and everything. And so I just rejoice. Does anybody believe the better days are not behind you? They are ahead of you, amen? And so I'm just so excited, man. I jumped the plane after our church service this morning, and I'm just so glad. I appreciate Pastor coming and picking me up. And thank you for everything, the wonderful accommodations. I'm just so excited about this week. How many of you believe God is up to something, amen? And I'm just, I'm telling you, 
you, we've already, I've been in, I believe it or not, I've been reviving out for three weeks. I've been going back and forth to my church and into another meeting. We had eight people get saved last week in the count meeting. And so I'm excited, man, and this starts tonight. We got the Wednesday here. I got to leave Thursday, go up to Pennsylvania. And from Saturday to Sunday, I'll preach four times in 24 hours. And when I get home, I won't know where I'm at, right? <laughs> but I'm just so excited. It's not by accident, but it's by God's divine purpose that we are here. And I, and I told you, Pastor, this privately, and I'm going to tell them publicly that I'm under submission of this man of God and this woman of God. And I told him, I said, if there's anything that I need to do different or don't need to do, he needs to tell me. Amen. And because right now, all that matters to me is if God's happy, Pastor's happy, and my wife in that order. Amen. <laughs> and so what an honor to be back with them. And I'm just excited. God is up to something. I know I, I, I know. I keep saying that, but it really is. We've been seeing just divine healings take place. We've seen miracles and finances. People's had debts. It's been canceled. Even in our own life, we had a $20,000 hospital bill just forgiven. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Does anybody believe we serve Jehovah Jireh? Yeah. But he goes beyond Jehovah Jireh. He's El Shaddai, the God of more than enough. And so I don't know how you feel here tonight. I have come just believing God. Let me share this with you very quickly. For years, man, I've been evangelist and I've been pastor now for almost, well, almost three years. I can't believe it. And so I'm still evangelizing as well. But you know what? I used to tell God all the time. I said, God, why don't you save? He'll deliver when I was praying. And that's the right way to pray. But now he asked me, said, is that all that you want me to do? So what I started doing is I started to simplify and say, God, why don't you just be God? Why don't you just be sovereign? Does anybody believe God is sovereign? Come on, what does that mean? That means he's in charge of everything. Hey, man, let the philosophers and even let the charismatic movement argue if God's in charge or not. I'm telling you, he is in charge. Some of you believe that. Yes, he is. And uh, So let's just believe that he's going to be sovereign. He's going to be in charge of everything. And also, he's the God of providence, which means he overrules everything. So I don't know what you're going through. I don't know what kind of hordes of hell have come against you, but I promise you, we have a God who is able to overrule them and overthrow them and to open up the windows of heaven. Is anybody just going to trust God to be God? Come on, give a praise in this place. Hallelujah. Come on, give God a shout of praise. How about it? Hallelujah. Praise God. I'm going to leave this singing to them. Can I be honest with you? Of course, I wouldn't lie to you anyway. But there's a couple of things I want you to know. Number one, I made it easy. I used to say HD, but the older I got, I lost the HD. <laughs> but I made it easy, man. I'm full of the Holy Ghost. That's a bad combination for the devil, isn't it? <laughs> well, because you got to run to stay up with me. So I'm not sure how long. I'm going to stand behind this pool, but I'm going to try to maybe live stream or whatever. They tell me all the time that I'm a cameraman's worst nightmare. He said amen to that for nine months. And so I'm going to try my best, but, and I, I'm just excited. I'm just, nobody can be me, but me. How many of you found out God created you to be, just be you. And so this is who I am. And another thing, I really wrestled back and forth. I know we've had this plan for quite some time and uh, what the Lord has done for me. I'm going to go to Haggai chapter two. I've learned as a pastor, give the media ministry a chance to catch up with you, no matter how ADD you are. But I, I've really went back and forth with what I'm going to share with you tonight because really, in my in reality, this is not how I would want to start preaching a revival like this. But I really feel like God has laid this on my heart to share with you. And it's based upon March the 5th of this year. I had an encounter with God. How many of you believe we're going to have an encounter this week? Come on, I see half of y'all. How many of you need an encounter with God? 
Yes, it is. The difference between wanting one and needing one, and I need an encounter with him. And so I'm going to share that with you. Will you stand to your feet with me all over the place, if you don't mind? Thank you for coming tonight. I know it's raining on the outside, but how many of you believe it's going to be forming a lot of rain on the inside? Hallelujah. I'm excited about it. Haggai chapter 2, and I want to look at that, the last verse of Scripture, verse 19. What's well, not the last verse, but verse 19 of Haggai chapter 2. And I had an encounter with God on March the 5th, and I want to share with you. So I'm just going to kind of pour out my heart. I told God, I said, God, this is not really the good way to start the first night because I know very few people know me and they're going to wonder what in the world. But you know what the Lord told me he, when he gave me this encounter? He said, not only am I going to give you an encounter, hallelujah, he said, but I'm going to give an encounter to everybody that you're linked to. So anybody know we are connected together tonight, amen? Praise God. I'm going to ask you one more time, who needs an encounter tonight, do you? Hallelujah. I didn't come to manipulate you. I didn't come to conjure anything up. I can't make nothing happen tonight. But I know one thing for sure. We serve a God that if we'll fill the house of praise, he'll fill it with his presence every time. And I believe that you come believing and ready to receive tonight. Hey, guy. Haggai. Hey, guy. However you want to pronounce it. All depends on where you're at. Hey, guy. Chapter 2, verse 19. If you're there, somebody say amen. And I'm going to read. Y'all don't mind. I'm going to read from the New Living Translation. Is that all right? Y'all ain't going to kick me out for that. I did get kicked out of a church when I was 12 years old for reading something out of the King James Version. We've come a long ways. Amen. All right, come on. Let's look at this together. Haggai chapter 2 uh, beginning with verse 19. And the Lord is speaking here. And I, I realize you may have the King James Version or whatever it is, but according to New Living Translation, I'm going to share this with you. Instead of it saying, and God says, it says like this, many different occasions. I'm gonna, and you're going to understand why the Lord had me go to this version in a minute. Like you take verse 11 and said, the Lord of the heavenly army says this. And so it lets me know that God's in charge of the heavenly armies and he'll make war for us. So this is what God says in verse 19. Are you ready? He said, I'm giving you a promise now while seed is still in the barn. That sounds Southern, don't it? Look at somebody tell them you got some seed in the barn. Come on, tell them that. Come on, you got some seed in the barn. There's a harvest that's coming. And he said, you have not yet harvested your grain, your grapevines, your thick trees, your pomegranates, and the olive trees have not yet produced their crops. But this is really what I'm trying to get to right here. The latter part of this is, but from this day onward, I will bless you. <laughs> somebody say, from this day onward. Come on, somebody say, but from this day onward. And that word but is a conjunction. And I don't know, I don't even know what to entitle this tonight. I guess I would title it stepping over the line of conjunction. Because <laughs> I got news for you. I don't know what's on the other side and what's been going on. But tonight, God's going to give somebody an encounter that you're going to cross the line of conjunction. And God said, from this night forward, I'm going to bless you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. <laughs> Will you join the person saying this next to you if you feel comfortable? Some people don't like to be touched. So you might want to ask them if it's okay to hold their hand or something. I want you to let's join our hands and our hearts together. I love the atmosphere and the spirit that is here. It's so conducive with the anointing, and we're so thankful for that. Will you lift those hands toward heaven if you feel comfortable? And let's just ask the Lord. I know we don't have to have to ask him to come. He's already here. But I want you to ask him to anoint your minds to receive. Just 
like I need the anointing to preach. You need anointing to receive. Fifteen times he said, he or she that hath an ear. Let him hear what the Spirit saying to the church. So come on, let's petition God. Father, we petition you tonight. And we invite your presence to permeate this place. God, I'm so thankful for Pastor Jamie and the praise team, God, that has just done an unbelievable job of ushering us in the presence of God and preparing our minds and our hearts for the word of the Lord. And Father, I'm asking you tonight, God, we're not going to put any human restraints on you. We're just asking that you be God in this place. God, all I know is that you gave me an encounter and you told me that everybody that I'm linked up to, that you would give them an encounter. And God, there's some people here tonight, they need a breakthrough. They need an encounter. Their finances need to change. Their family needs to change, God. God, their life needs to change. And Father, we don't just want an encounter. We need an encounter with you. Some of us, we are desperate. God, if you wait another month, we don't know what's going to happen. If you wait another week, we don't know what's going to happen. But God, we know one thing for sure, that you are in our own time, God. And when you do something that's right on time, that nobody in this building could ever take the glory, but all glory shall be shared only with you. We lift you up tonight. Move in this place. I bind and I rebuke every hindering forces of the enemy. And I loose the anointing of God. God, have your way. And when the lights go off and the doors get locked and this service becomes history, let us be able to quote the words of the psalmist when he said, I was glad that somebody opened up the doors on the Sunday night for me to have an encounter and I'll never be the same. And I praise you for it in Jesus' name. Come on one more time. Give God the greatest praise you've given. I'll come on, raise a roof. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Uh, you may be seated in the presence of the Lord. Thank you so much. I want to share with you tonight what happened to me on March the 1st. And again, this is not the way I would typically want to start a revival service, but I actually had an encounter with God. And I want you to understand what I'm about to tell you. I'm not one of these type that go looks for demons under every pews and angels in every corner. I guarantee you, man, if you're serving God whatsoever, you don't have to go looking for the devil. The devil come looking for you, right? Sure you will. And so, but I'm telling you, man, for quite some time now, and I'm just going to pour my heart. I'm just going to pour it out like water on you here tonight, okay? And this is straight from my heart. I have been battling for quite some time fear and anxiety. And in case you know me, I've never been this way. I've never been a fearful person. I've never had anxiety. But it all started back in 2009. I'm going to jump around a little bit, but I promise you I'm going to bring you back home and it all makes sense. So look at your neighbor, tell them, hey, Hang on for the ride. Here we go. Come on, tell them that. Hang on for the ride. But I'm telling you, I have been battling off and on with anxiety since around 2009. And, that, you know, if you understand something about battles, is it okay if I walk around? I don't want to get in the dark if I'm not supposed to or something. But understand, you realize that whether you serve God one day or whether you serve in 20 years, there's not any place in the Bible does God promise you that once you confess with your mouth and you believe with your heart and you accept the Lord as Lord and Master, of your life, that all of your problems will be over. How many of you done found that out, right? We realize you're going to still have struggles. Just like Superman has kryptonite, we all have weaknesses. We all have things that we have to struggle with. The, the major instantaneous change that there is is a thing called salvation. Isn't that amazing how anybody can walk in off the streets that can be loaded down with drugs, alcohol, prostitute, homosexual, whatever. But isn't it amazing how all they have to do is come 
come and kneel at the cross. And they confess with their mouth and they get a blood bath to the blood of Jesus. Isn't it amazing how instantaneously, man, our sins are washed away. Is anybody radically saved in this place tonight? Come on, I hear half of you. Anybody radically saved in this place? Oh, yeah. And so to me, that is the fastest change. But everybody has different philosophies. But mine is when it comes to sanctification, I feel like it's something that you have to walk out. It's a progressive thing. It's a walking in the spirit. That's what Galatians talks about. He said, you got to learn how to live, walk in the spirit, that you do not gratify this carnal nature. So what that tells me is, listen to me carefully, this does not give us a license to go out here and sin all over the place, to think that we're covered with this new doctrine called hyper grace. Not at all. Anybody thankful for the grace of God here tonight? Let's just clear up the air. Can somebody tell me what can wash away my sins? Nothing but the blood. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood. Is anybody thankful for the blood of Jesus here tonight? Come on, y'all. It's the blood that saves me. It's the blood that heals me. It's the blood that you say, why are you preaching something so simple? Because people ain't preaching about the blood anymore. And I'm telling you something. When Satan comes, according to John 10, 10, he and he's going to come as a thief to steal, kill, and destroy. He's not going to look at you as a deacon's kid, our third generation churchgoer, our second generation preacher, and said, oh, I'm sorry. I'm messing the wrong one. I'll be back later. No, but when he sees the blood, y'all, he's going to pull an MC hat and a James Brown and go, who can't touch this? Hallelujah. Sorry, ADD just come out of me. Hallelujah. <laughs> so understand something. When he sees the blood, he has to pass over you. But it's still, even though he may pass over, there still comes seasons of testing. So keep this in mind. No matter how spiritual that you think that you are, and I'm not questioning that, you will go through trouble. But here's the good news here tonight. The Bible said Jesus is what? He's our present help in the time of trouble. Let me just ask you, has he helped anybody here tonight? Come on has he healed anybody tonight? Has he brought you out of a dangerous situation? Can anybody testify? If it had not been for the Lord on my side, I'd have lost my mind. I'd have lost my life. I wouldn't be sitting here tonight. But anybody faithful, y'all, I feel the Holy Ghost that we are flesh of his flesh and bone of his law, his royal priesthood, his called out generation, the bride of Christ, the sheep in the midst of his pasture. I'm glad that I belong to him. And he belongs to me. Come on, somebody give God a shout of prayer. So we settled that. But no matter how long you've been in the ministry, no matter how long you serve God, you're going to have some tough times. Yes, you are. And if anybody stood up here or anywhere and told you any different, they would be telling you a half lie. Or should I say a half truth, which is equivalent to what? A whole lie. You're going to go through trouble. So let me just dive on in this tonight. Since 2009, I've been battling bad fear and anxiety. I don't know why. I don't know what brought it on. We all have our struggles. We all go through times. And I'll tell you, it got so bad. Sometimes you go through seasons of testing, you know. Well, I can preach on each one of these. Sometimes you go through seasons of testing where it seems to be harsh and it seems to be hard. And then it seems like the enemy will let up. You say, is that biblical? Yes. For an example, look over there in Luke chapter 3 and chapter 4. If you remember right after Jesus was baptized, what happened? Jesus was submerged in the water. He come out, the Bible said the heavens opened up. The father said, this is my son. 
right in whom I'm well pleased. And the Bible said Jesus began to be, receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit came upon him in a bodily form like as a dove. What happens immediately after that? Immediately after that baptismal experience, that encounter here, watch this. What did Jesus do? The Bible said that Jesus was led by the Holy Ghost. Somebody say by the Holy Ghost. By the Holy Ghost into the wilderness to be tempted and tested by the devil. He was fasting and praying. I'm going to make this simple because it's not what I'm going to preach on tonight. But he was fasting and praying. He encountered the devil himself. You know this as well as I do. This was not his first encounter. Why? Because Jesus was there with the Father and the Holy Ghost when Satan and one third of the angels fell from heaven, right? Are you with me? How do you know that? Well, Isaiah, I didn't mean to open up all this, but Isaiah, what did Satan say? He said, I will exalt my throne above the stars of the north, and I shall be like the most high. Satan, as you know, he was a very high-ranking angel. He was over all the praise and worship of heaven according to the prophet Ezekiel. But you know as well as I do that pride came in, and Satan decided he's going to do something stupid, and he got one-third of the angels to rage war on God. That's the dumbest thing he could have ever done, because anybody knows in the house and he knows now which he should have known from the beginning that you can never overthrow God you cannot outpower God and we cannot live without God how many of you glad God is the same yesterday today and forever how many of you glad he's the mighty God there never has been another and there never will be. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Can I preach what sounds like a preacher's cliche? But I mean it tonight. He's always been. He was Noah's rainbow and Abraham's ram and Isaac's well and Jacob's ladder. Moses' rod and Shamgar's osco. Gideon's fleece. Samuel's one of all. David's sling. Elijah's mantle. Elijah's double portion. Ezekiel's vision. Paul's crown of righteousness. Peter's shadow. John the Revelator's king of kings. And Lord of Lords, but it don't stop there. How many glad He is the lily of the valley? He is the bright and morning star. He is the fairest of ten thousand. He's higher than the highest. He's holier than the holy. Anybody glad He is your father? He's your brother. He's your doctor. He's your friend. He's your lawyer. He's your battle axe. He's your encourager. He's your healer. He's your medicine, and the list goes on. But I'm glad that He is my God. Anybody faithful for that? tonight. Come on, somebody give God a shout of praise. Hallelujah. I said hallelujah. Oh, yeah. And so, man, we sin of the fact. But see, Satan let pride come in, and what happened? Jesus said this. Jesus said, and I beheld Satan as lightning fall from heaven. So going back to the baptismal deal, this was not the first time after the baptism that, that Jesus had met up with her Satan. This is the second go around. But meanwhile, what happened on the mountain? He was fasting and he was praying. And the Bible said that Jesus was tipped and tested in every area. Somebody say every area. Come on, can I say it without sounding any less sanctimonious tonight? Jesus did not just come from some alien person to come down here. Oh, what's this? What do you mean trouble? Anybody know he was tempted with every area? Come on, somebody. If you can imagine everything that you're tempted with, Jesus was tempted with the same thing and then some. Somebody say and then some. 
And listen, that's where we read the scripture, how we have a high priest who's been touched by the feelings of our infirmity. Jesus knows what it is, y'all, to feel the personal side of things. He knows what it is to feel pain. My favorite one, he knows what it is to be sad. You read about that? Whenever Jesus wound up at Lazarus, remember his best friend, and he was supposed to be there. I feel like I'm all over the place, but it's coming together. I understand so that he wound up at Lazarus' tomb, and what happened? He showed up on the fourth day when he should have been there on the third day because Jews believe that as long as you got the body there for three days, there's a chance that that spirit can reunite with the body, and they might well come out of the grave or come back to life. But if you wait a day later than three days, by then he's stinking. And that's exactly what happened. Jesus showed up on the fourth day. And I can imagine they're grieving. They probably got a little sarcastic with Jesus. Going, well, thanks a lot. You know what should have happened, Jesus. You should have been here yesterday. By now he's stinking. And I can imagine Jesus feeling the tears that he did. Jesus wept. He wept over his best friend. But then what do you do? You see him go from the human side to the divine side when Jesus then says, roll away the stone. Hallelujah. Well, I love this story. And anybody know when Jesus cried out, Lazarus, I can imagine Lazarus down there in paradise talking to some people. Said, yeah, you think you know him? He will come to my house all the time. I know Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. Y'all were covering with him, but I have seen him. I can imagine him talking to Shabbat, Meshach, and Abednego. Say, you know what? I know you saw him as a fourth man in the fire, but he showed up at my house. I can imagine him talking to Joshua and say, I know the night before the walls of Jericho fell. Guess what? He showed up. I know he ate supper with you, but he was at my house. And all of a sudden, you can imagine that voice going, Lazarus, Lazarus, come forth. Oh, I love this. You know as well as I do that if Jesus had not said Lazarus, what would have happened? The whole graveyard would have emptied out. Why? Because Jesus is the resurrection and the life. Come on, is this all right tonight, church? So but we see the divine side, we see the human side. He wept. Jesus got mad, didn't he? Yes, he did. He got mad. He took a whip. Don't try this. You'll go to jail. But he took a whip, started turning over the money changers, said this place should be called a house of prayer. You made it a den of thieves. And the list goes on and on. So what this tells me is, is men, he knew what it was to be tempted in all areas. And what I love about this temptation on the mountain is he went through 40 days. Someone asked me, Joel, what was his temptation? And my belief, I believe it was the temptation of the spoken word that his father just spoke over him. When the father said, this is my son, what did the devil ask if you are the son of God? What did the father say, this is my son? Can I tell some of you here tonight, I know the biggest battle you'll ever have, and I'll get to this encounter in just a minute, but the biggest battle you'll ever have, number one, is six inches, unless your head's bigger like mine, six inches between one ear to another, that's the biggest battleground. Come on, somebody say amen. That's why the, the writer said in Sacred Corinthians, I know I should have sticked with notes because I just keep going. But understand, that's why the writer said in Sacred Corinthians chapter 10, said the weapons of our warfare and our carnal, but they're mighty through God to the pulling down of the stronghold, casting down imagination, every high thing that exalted itself against the knowledge of God and bringing the captivity of her thought and through the obedience of Christ. But I'm going to tell you something. The second biggest battle that you ever go through, and I'm going to share my encounter with you, and you'll see what I'm talking about, is the spoken word and the promises that God has given you. 
Come on, anybody follow what I'm telling you here tonight? That will probably be the second biggest battle that you'll have out of many. Why? Because men, you know as well as I do. The enemy starts attacking your family. And what does he do? He doesn't just start attacking your family. He starts attacking the word that God's given you. Yeah, God said your family's going to be saved. But look at them. They're smoking crack. Look at them. They're doing meth. What do you have to do? You have to reinstate the word of God. And say, let me tell you something, devil. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. If I believe in the name of the Lord, I shall be saved in my house. Hallelujah. And I, I can see here and go on over you. The battle comes within the battle of the word. I've said it quite often. I'm going to say it again. There's a difference here tonight between the fact of the matter and the truth of the matter. Huh? There is a difference. You can't sit here and deny the fact that the doctor just told you he got cancer. Come on, amen. That may be the fact of the matter. We can't deny the fact that we live in an imperfect body. You can't deny, I'm not trying to discourage or depress you, but you cannot deny the fact that from the first time that you come out of your mother's womb, you start living to die. Well, that's depressing, isn't it? but it's the truth. He said, well, Joel, don't depress me. I'm not. Anybody know if we live in Christ, to live is Christ, to die is to be gained, right? To be absent of the bodies, to be present with the Lord. One way or the other, we win. Is there any winners in the house here tonight? Come on, I said, is there any winners in the house here tonight? Hallelujah. So you can't deny some of the fact that's going on. But what you have to do is you got to stand like Jesus did when he said, it is written. Then I mean, look at you and say, hey, I know you've been falling out ten times, got prophetic words over you, but you heard what the doctor said. Your health is not what it used to be. What do I do now? I'll tell you what you do. You stand on the word of God. Anybody know the fact of the matter is he may be dealing with sickness, but the truth of the matter tells me that he was wounded from my transgressors. He was bruised from my iniquities. The chastisement of my peace was upon him. And Peter quoted it, but he said, by his strength, I've already been healed. Come on, I'm just giving you a scripture here tonight. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And, you know, someone made this statement, and I love it. What I love about Calvary is, and I'm not trying to exclude one thing to another. I feel like I'm giving y'all ten sermons in one, so take what you can. How about that? Is this all right tonight, y'all? Y'all just so easy to preach to. I heard someone talk about Calvary. They said at Calvary, they really believe that when Jesus was beat, beat upon with the, with the whips and the, and the cat of nine tails and whipped on his back, I believe that when he was beaten for our, for our, for our healing and for our sickness. But does anybody know when he went to Calvary, that was for the atoning of our sins? And I want to tell you something. The blood has been shed to help you realize that he is Jehovah Rapha, your healer. He is the bomb of Gilead. He is your medicine when there's no cure. Has anybody ever been healed before? Somebody just give God a shout of praise for that. Hallelujah. By his stripes we are what? Man, the enemy will come against you and say, yeah, I know God's promised you victory, but I'm going to throw every weapon possible against you. That's when you say, you know what, it's written. Isaiah 57, 14, and no weapon formed against me shall prosper. That's when you give him <laughs> Psalms 91. That though errors may fly by day and pestilence may come by night, it will not come nigh to me or my house. 
I just feel like going some scripture in the face of the enemy tonight. When the enemy looks at you and say, you know what? Thousands are falling by the wayside. And you're going to be thousand and one. You just look at him and say, you know what? A thousand may fall in my limb. Ten thousand in my right. But it's not going to happen to me. Because Psalm said that God has assigned angels down to guard me with them not a hand. Lift me up so I don't dash my foot against the stone. Is anybody believe we are not going under? We are going over. I love this Lucas saying, I mean it, that if God is for you, Jesus is with you, the Holy Ghost is in you, the angels are coming around about you, you got the blood of Jesus that saves you, heals you, delivers you, guess what? Two more jump on the spin wagon. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow you all the days of your life. You're not going under, you're going over. You're not going down, you're going up. For greater is he that is in you than he that is in this world. Somebody praise him about five seconds. Hallelujah. I feel the Holy Ghost, don't you? <laughs> so when the enemy realizes, this is what I've been trying to get to. <laughs> when the enemy realizes sooner or later that everything that he has battled you, I feel to give somebody this. You're like, well, Joel, he's coming against my family. I told you what Acts said. And then here's another scripture you can quote That is for me and my house. We will serve the Lord. Tell the devil, back off, devil. Because Joel said in the last days, God is going to pour his spirit out on all flesh. Your old men shall dream dreams. Your young men shall see visions. It's going to be for my children, my children's children, and for they that are fall. Who I feel the Holy Ghost. Young people, I want to tell you what's going to happen to you. I don't know what it's going to look like. I don't know how it's going to be experienced. But listen to me tonight. As I travel across this country, and I'm doing youth conferences and youth counts, I got a twofold burden. I got evangelism for the church, and I got evangelism burden for the youth. Listen to me. Two things is going to happen with you in this last day. You call the David generation, you're a violent praisers. You call the Joshua generation, where you'll stand relentless in the face of your adversary, and you'll stand in the confidence of God. Hallelujah. But I'm going to tell you what else. You ready? Two more things I'm going to put on you. Number one, there's no doubt in my mind that God is going to use you to usher in a last day revival that's going to sweep across, going to sweep across this nation. Oh, yeah. Come on. Do you believe that? Somebody give God a shout of praise. Ooh, I feel the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. Let me tell y'all something. <laughs> it's not going to look like Brownsville. It's going to be like the Missouri cornfield. How many of you know God wants to open up the windows of heaven over this place? It's already happening in the middle schools and the high school. And I'm going to tell you the second thing that God's going to do. Not only is he going to use you to bring about a lasting revival, but can I tell you something? He's going to use you to usher in the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Does anybody believe Jesus is coming back again? Somebody give God a shout of praise. Hey! Hallelujah. Slap somebody high five and tell them I want in on that. Come on, tell them that. 
Come on, tell them I went on, I won't end on that. There's some of you like, well, I wish my kids were here. But I got to say this to somebody here tonight. That's why you need to steer the enemy in the face and tell the devil, say, devil, don't mess with me. My kids may not be sitting here. They may be 1,300 miles away. But what did the psalmist say? I feel the Holy Ghost, y'all. The psalmist said, I will stand here in Hurricane, West Virginia. I will throw my hands up. I will wave my hands. I will wiggle my fingers. Does anybody know what Psalm said? My hands are trained for war. My fingers are taught how to fight. Does anybody know I can stand here in my praise? I can make war in the heavenlies. And the psalmist said that I'm going to praise God. Whoa, not just for me, but for generations to come that they may praise the Lord. Who oh, does anybody feel who I feel in this place here tonight? So while I'm praising God, I'm not just praising him for myself. I'm praising it for my little seven-year-old. I'm praising it for when she has children way down the road. Hallelujah. But you know what? I'm going to bless the Lord. How many of you know what we have done? They're going to stand on our shoulders. They're going to do double what we have done. Come on, somebody give God a shout of praise. Hallelujah. So let me ask you this question here tonight. Now do you see why the enemy is working overtime to take out this generation? Huh? Men there, I, I realize some of you are like, well, there ain't nothing new under the heavens, I know. But I promise you, man, they're dealing with some stuff that is far more embarrassing than what you and I have ever dealt with. Men, this culture don't care. And if it's not battling the culture, they're battling the overwhelming devil that wants to trap them and unlock them and make them think they're nobody. And not just them, but you. He wants to silence us. He wants us to get a place where we will never get to a place where we never have an encounter. How many of you want an encounter with God? Hallelujah. Come on, how many of you need an encounter with him? Let me go ahead and bring this little part to a close. The Bible said after Jesus was tempted and tested, he came out of the wilderness, what? Full of the Holy Ghost. And this is what I've been trying to get to. The Bible said in the King James Version, it reads like this. And when the season, when the season of testing has stopped, I've come by here tonight to tell somebody that your season of testing is almost over. And God is speaking that from this day forward, I don't know the hell that you've been through yesterday and last week, but from this day forward, God said, I'm going to bless you. Is that, oh, is anybody believe God is going to assign to us an irrevocable victory? How many of you stay with me? Let me share a little bit more with you with the encounter. Can I do that? Oh, God, I'm worried. Where's the rest of y'all? Amen. I promised, Pastor, I'd be good and I'll preach so long. Sorry. I want to share something with you very quickly. It was March the 5th. I'll make it quick and I'll do the short version. Man, I've been pastoring. I've been preaching all these revivals and I'm struggling. I've been dealing with fear and anxiety. And I was sitting there. It was was about 2 o'clock in the morning. March the 5th, Thursday morning early. God got me up out of bed. He said, go pray. I'll be honest with you. I wasn't feeling too spiritual. I said, God, I'll pray tomorrow. He said, no, go pray now. I went, yes, sir. Now, I'm going to warn you. I mean, God don't talk to me King James Version. He hasn't talked to me just simple. Come on, anybody else feel the same way? 
So long story short, stay with me. Long story short, I, I started cutting a trail around my house, and I'm praying about the church and praying about this. And my little girl was sick, so she just happened to be in our bed. And our room's on one side of the house, and her room was on another. Well, somehow I wound up in her room. I knew then when God had me on that side, it's about to get loud, and it's about to get messy. <laughs> And so then I started praying to you about, about, oh God, you know, thank you for the church. And then all of a sudden the prayer shifted to me. And I just had read the latter part of Job to where he said Job enjoyed the second half of his life better than the first half. I'm like, no, no. And if I go through what he did, he needs to enjoy something. And I'm not trying to sound sarcastic, but I'm like, well, good God, that's great. That happened for Job, but I'm desperate. You ever been desperate before? How about there's some desperate people here tonight? So this is a word for you. I'll hurry, but listen to me. And all of a sudden, man, I started praying. And uh, let me ask y'all this. Have you, <laughs> have you ever been so desperate that you just take your Bible and say, oh, God, wherever you want me to turn it, that's where it's going to go. You ever done that? Come on, wave your hand. Somebody just be honest with me. I did that, and I, honestly, I got called to preach that way. My Bible flung open to Jeremiah chapter 1, and I got called to preach when I was like 10 years old. And he said, I sanctified you from the womb of your mother. Thou art mine. I said, I'm scared to death. And God said, don't be afraid of their faces because where I tell you to go, you'll go. And what I tell you to speak, you'll speak. And then he became a prophet to the nation in chapter 2. How many of you know God has a way of talking to us, right? Come on, give God praise. But watch this. Watch this. One time I was desperate. I said, oh, God, I need a word from you. And it fell up in the Matthew chapter 1. So-and-so begot, so-and-so begot, so-and-so begot, so-and-so. I said, God, let's try this again. That's a good word. It's talking about the lineage of Jesus, but it wasn't in my season. So sometimes that don't, that don't always work. But on March the 5th, may God be my witness. My Bible fell open to Haggai chapter 2. And the first thing that God gave me, y'all, I'm going to try to get through this without crying. How many of you know you cannot have an encounter with God without something being moved in you? So I'm going to try to be a good boy and try not to cry. I tell my church I used to never be a crybaby until I started pastoring, and I just cried to everything anyway. It's a good thing. Amen? <laughs> But all of a sudden, man, it filled up and, and God showed me that, that first part where he said, from this day forward, he said, I'm going to bless you. Listen to what God spoke to me, okay? Listen to this. God told me right after he said that, he said, Joel, he said, I'm going to give you an irrevocable victory. And not only did he say, I'm going to give it to you. This is what he said. If you understand prophetic talk, you'll know what I'm talking about. He said, I'm putting you, it's time. Somebody say time. It's time for irrevocable victory. He didn't say seasons. Most of the time when you talk to God, let me let you in on something. When you talk to God, sometimes you talk to him in seasons. Well, because what you do is when you talk to God in seasons, you don't lock him into our time. Are you following me? But brother, God didn't tell me season. He said, it's time. Oh, somebody say time. You know what that was telling me at 2 o'clock in the morning? Well, about 3.30 then. He was telling me, I'm about to step into your time, and I'm about to give you an encounter that's about to change everything. Hallelujah. Jesus. He said, I'm, I'm putting you, it's time for irrevocable victory. And all of a sudden, I said, okay, God, let's do this. And I told God, I'm, I'm just being honest tonight. You'll find out I'm just me, Okay. 
I don't plan to be anybody that I'm not. I'm just me. I'm a person saved by grace. Amen. But I told God, I said, God, I got to get delivered from this. And I, I'll tell you, like I told my church the Wednesday after I got delivered from all this, and I'll tell you, I wasn't struggling with adultery, man. I love my wife. I got a hot mama. Hey, hey, hey. <laughs> Woo, I can leave, I can leave. I love her, man. I'm in love with her. I love y'all, but I'm in love with my wife. Somebody say amen to that. Just thought I'd tell you. Woo. Okay, where was it? Anyway. But, but I'm telling you, man, I, I, I was not, I, I didn't have a struggle with adultery, not struggling with pornography, nothing like that. But there was a stronghold, listen to me, that started out as a foothold. And that foothold developed into a stronghold because I let it last too long. What's well, a good word? So, man, I'm struggling, y'all. It's not a seasonal thing like I preached about for 15 minutes. This thing's had a hold on me. And I told God quickly, I said, God, I cannot be the husband I'm supposed to be. I cannot be the father that you've called me to be. And I cannot be the pastor that you've anointed to me. You have got to break this stuff off of me. I said, tonight, God, you gotta, you got to heal me. You've got to kill me. I don't care. I'm not coming out of her room. And they may have to slip pizza underneath the door. But I will not come out of here until something is broken off of me. Yeah. <laughs> I'll let you read between the lines. I'm going to read the scripture to you. The first scripture God gave me was verse 5. He said, my spirit. And I want you to notice how he words this. When he speaks in Haggai, according to New Living, says the Lord of the heavenly armies. Somebody say the Lord of the heavenly armies. He all of a sudden, he said, my spirit remains among you. If you ever go through fear and anxiety, you always feel like you're all alone. I'm, and I'm not saying this as a pat on the back. I say this in all humility. I'll tell you, I've been on Daystar, TBN, all these different places. It's all wonderful. But, man, you can be in the midst of thousands of people and still be all alone. Somebody say amen. amen. And so, man, I was dealing with this. And he said, look, he said, I remain among you just as I promised when you came out of Egypt. And I understood that. He said, so don't be afraid because Moses said, God, you have brought me out to take me in. Can I tell somebody here tonight, God will never bring you out of something unless he's going to take you into something that will be equivalent, if not better. Good measure, press down, shake him together, and run it over. How many of you believe we serve a mighty God here tonight? So all of a sudden, I, I, I caught on to that, says the God of the mighty armies. And I got desperate. I started crying out. I said, me, the God of the heavenly host, come help me. I'm weeping and I'm crying and I'm desperate. I said, God of the heavenly host, summon the armies of, of heaven and come and fight for me. Long story short, I probably cried that 22 times. And I don't want you to think I'm someone that hears something all the time, but I could hear, Pastor, I could hear the hordes of hell. Every time that I said, I cry out for the God and the heavenly host, I could hear them all shouting, no, no, we're not going to turn loose, no. But every time that I would shout that, help me, I would pray, God of the heavenly host, send your angels to fight for me, and I need, I need some angels to come and stand around me as a wall of defense. I can't fight this anymore. I'm depleted. I'm helpless. If you don't help me, I'm out of here. How many of you believe we serve a God of mighty help? Hallelujah. 
I'm trying. And I shouted it 22 times, my brother. And after about the 22nd time, I don't know why that number, all of a sudden I heard the horns of hell totally disappear. <laughs> so all of a sudden I can hear the Lord. I said, God, what's going on? And this is what he told me. He said, this is what the Lord of the heavenly army says. And just a little while, he said, again, I will shake heaven and the earth. And I'm thinking to myself, wow, there's going to be a whole lot of shaking going on. But you know what God told me? He said, I'm about to shake you, Joel. Then he told me, he said, we are earthly vessels. From death we come, to death we go. Is this all right tonight, y'all? Okay, I don't want to tire you out. But all of a sudden, he said, I'm about to shake you. And brother, I'm telling you, it's all at once. I'm sitting there like, God, I I need something. And it's like, just like, and so much scripture is going through my head during this time. But it's just like you read how the prophet told the servant said, I want you to go to the edge of the cliff and see if there's a cloud. Remember that? He said, nope, don't see no cloud. He said, go look again. Don't see no cloud. Go look again. He said, well, there's a cloud about the size of a man's hand. How many of you believe it may look small, but get ready. What did the prophet do? He started spiritually freaking out. Y'all better move the chairs. Here comes a flood. I knew that it may seem small, but God is up to something. How many of you believe little is much when God is in it? Feel like a size of a man's hand. Now, I don't got time to tell you all this tonight, but how many of you understand the protocol of anointing, do you? The anointing always flows from what? The head down. I've, I can literally say this. I've anointed tens of thousands of people on their feet, and I've never seen the oil come up their feet and smack them in the head. But all at once, y'all, all at once, my brother, I felt a hand just like this. And, and it felt like it, it started shaking my scalp, my brain, everything was shaking. I like to freak out. Because the devil's like, yep, you're having a nervous breakdown. But I heard God talk to me. He said, it's not the devil. He said, I've got this. He said, I'm shaking this stuff off of you. Hallelujah. <laughs> and, I, and I felt this shaking. It, and it started from my head. And it came down to my eyes and into my jaw and into my mouth and down to my throat. And when the shaking went down to my throat, my mind went completely clear. Boom! I could see clearer than I've ever seen. I told you it's unusual to start a revival service off with. And it shook all the way down. How many of you know how you shake when you got a bad case of fever or something? I was just, I was just shaking. And all of a sudden when the shaking left me, y'all, fear tried to come in again. The devil said, yep, I've left you, but I'm leaving and I'm going to get seven more. If you think I'm bad, you ain't seen these boys. But all of a sudden God said, you don't worry about them because I'm about, whoo. He said, I'm about to fill you with some new glory. Hallelujah. I'm about to run. Hallelujah. He said, I'll shake the whole thing. He said, I'll fill this place right here with glory. Says the Lord of the heavenly armies. And this is what he said quickly. I'm hurrying. He said, the future glory of this temple will be greater than the past glory. Says the Lord of the heavenly armies. And in this place, I will bring peace. I, the Lord, the heavenly armies have spoken. Will you come again to play something softly? I'm not done, but I'm going to land this thing. All of a sudden, y'all felt empty. 
Fear tried to come in again. Because, listen, you know as well as I do, come on, we're, we're mature. A child of God cannot be possessed, right? Come on, somebody just say right. So I ain't got to preach that. child of God cannot be possessed. I'm going to tell you what, a child of God can be oppressed. And a good old southern slave for that is, is when Satan comes and tries to snatch the rug out from under you. And I asked God in this process, I said, God, when did all this start? Long story short, I was preaching a 22-week revival. Wasn't too long after I left Ohio. I was preaching a 22-week revival. And my dad had been struggling with fear and anxiety. He's a man of God. And that enemy saw that he couldn't get to him, so he transferred that attack to me. I'm riding down 75. I don't know if you know anything about Calhoun, Georgia. You ever heard of that? You know where the road, the Red Bun and Calhoun Fairmont exit is? I was in between those two exits. It's like somebody flicked on a light switch, man. I felt the whole life leave out of me. I thought I was dying. I pulled out with the McDonald's. I called my wife and said, I'm not going to be coming home tonight. She said, is everything all right with us? Because I was at my parents. She was at hers. That just didn't look right. I said, yeah. I said, I don't know what's going on. And the devil told me that night, he said, I'm going to destroy you. Boy, I wish I had time. I, I wouldn't want to scare none of the kids tonight. But I had an encounter that when I was 17 year old, I saw a demonic spirit. Four foot 11. I won't get too graphic. Four foot 11 looked like a leprechaun. Had a hair like a mane of a horse. Had the face like uh, Gene Simmons. Y'all know what I'm talking about on Kiss? How many remember the old school? Come on, don't act like you don't know. Yeah. That's what he looked like. Had the yellow teeth. I thought, man, you could at least brush your teeth before you get all up in my face. It was nasty, boy. He scared me to death. And he flipped my shoulder down, and he started speaking demonic incantations over me. And what he said then, he said, I'm going to follow you the rest of your life. And he said, there will be strategic times. I will come in, and I will destroy you. How many of you know the enemy fights you at strategic times? Because as twisted and perverted as the enemy is, he knows whoo, that you're set up for another godly promotion. Come on, somebody give God praise. Hallelujah. I'm sorry. I know I'm preaching too long. Let's fast forward. All of a sudden, I could hear that voice again going, I'll be back. But all of a sudden, God said, you know what? He said, I'm going to fill you with glory. And what God told me was, he said, if you think you've had glorious things happen to you, Joel, he said, it's time for irrevocable victory. Hmm. This is what he told me. He said, I'm going to pour new glory in you. Another long story short, a big screen like that wrote down in my head. I got a big head, I need a big screen. Big screen wrote down on all these revivals, man. The one in nine months came to me. The one that we had in Charlotte, North Carolina. Praising place, that's where I met you guys. That one, another one over there, had um, um, Eastway Drive, had 250 people saved. Went to a youth camp in Indiana, had 250 young people receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost. I saw the glory cloud come through the back of the wall, 700 people inside the tabernacle and outside the tabernacle. And that, that cloud came through the wall, walked a perfect line down the middle aisle, and people were just falling out simultaneously, left and right. We had church from 7 to 2 o'clock in the morning. Just telling you. Blinded eyes. I saw him blinded eyes, deaf ears open. And God said, this is not going to surmount to the new glory that I'm going to give you. <laughs> and all of a sudden, and I, I'll close with this. 
all of a sudden, y'all, it's like somebody, God took the top of my head. It didn't hurt it. You know how you take a top of a tea kettle and you open it? That's what it felt like. Let me ask y'all a question. Has anybody ever been divinely healed before? Can I see your hand? All right, now, I'm not going to ask you this, but raise your hand. How many of you remember when you were divinely healed? Did anybody feel heat? Can I see your hand? That's what I'm talking about. All of a sudden, it's like God opened up the top of my head, and I felt heat. I'm not making up these stories. I felt a heat a oil, a heat oil. <laughs> Just like the shaking in y'all. It started from my head, and when it got down to my eyes, it's like somebody hit a water line. Boom! I started weeping and crying. I, I could show you my pages. I almost ripped my pages. I soaked the carpet all around me. But all of a sudden, man, that, that, that oil flew all the way through me and went out my feet. I thought it's a 45-minute encounter. It's four and a half hours long. And the devil came back to me. He said, you know what? He said, you better not testify this. I picked up my phone. I said, don't mess with me, devil. I'll do a road trip today. I'll start in Anderson, South Carolina. I'll start at Parton because this is what I want to tell you. God said, Joe, not only am I going to set you free, but everybody who is linked to you, I'm going to set them free. How many of you believe it's freedom time? Come on, somebody give God a shot of praise. Will you stand to your feet with me so I won't keep preaching? That was quick. Amen. I'm just playing. I'm just kidding. You know what? I went to church that Sunday. I had to reintroduce myself to my church. I got a guy. He's about 20 years old. He's crazy. I call him stupid crazy. And he, his name's Joel. And I told the church, I said, you see that he works on the sound booth. So if I point at you, I'm just, you see that guy sitting back there? I said, y'all know Joel. He's crazy. I said, that's the way I used to be until the devil tried to steal my joy. But I told the church, I said, I got my joy back. And before I told the church, I climbed up in the sound booth and I was messing around with him. I'm a student pastor, knocking around. And Joel looked at me, serious as can be. He said, pastor, he said, are you okay? Yeah, man, I thought, he said, what's with all the, all the foolishness today, pastor? I said, oh, let me tell you, man, I had a deliverance. I lost my fear. I got my joy. He said, well, let's party then. Hey. God told me this. I'm going to share with you. He said, not only have I set you free, (laughs) he said, I'm giving you a new joy. He said, I'm giving you a new confidence. I'm giving you a new boldness. And he said, I'm going to free those who are linked to you. How many of you believe God wants to give you an encounter tonight? Amen. Come on. You lift your hands all over this place right now. Come on in Jesus name. This has probably been the most unusual message to start out, but I know it's been the will of the Lord. Father, we lift our hands. If you need an encounter with God, come on, throw your hands up and tell him, I need an encounter with you, God. Hallelujah. Come on, tell him, say, Lord, I've heard your word tonight. And I hear the Lord telling me to tell you that from this day on, he's going to bless you. If you look up that word bless, it literally means financially and mostly. Since that day, all my finances are turning around. My family members are being free. Our preacher friends are being free. You wouldn't believe what God's doing. And he wants to do it with you. Silver and gold have we none, but that that we have given unto them. Come on, lift your hands and tell God, God, I need an encounter with you. Come on, we lift your voice. I'm not trying to push you tonight. Lift your voice louder. Come on, let's fill the sanctuary. 
He wants to hear your desperate cry. I struggled. I thought I was going to die. But God said, you will not die, but you will live. Come on, I thought I was going to lose my mind. He said, I renew your mind. I can see him going on with you. Tonight's your night of encounter, church. Tonight's the night of encounter for you young people. Tonight's the night. Let them know. No more fear. No more anxiety. No more depression. No more loneliness. No more anger. No more bitterness. No more unforgiveness. Come on, there's an encounter. God said, I'm going to mark the time. And from this night forward, I'm going to bless you. Pastor, is it okay? Can I call your people to repentance? Is that okay? You're welcome to come do this if you want to. I would never overstep my boundary. And I'm going to do this every night, church. We did it for months, didn't we? I still do it no matter what. If I'm teaching, if I'm speaking to the middle school, Christmas school, whatever, I always give them an opportunity to repent. <laughs> Ooh, I feel the Holy Ghost. Ever head bowed or eye closed? I don't usually do it this way. Real quick, come on, close your eyes for just a moment. I'm going to make this brief.